You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode 30, the best way to have a mold resistant home, part two. Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist, and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Steve, it is post-Thanksgiving, but we are talking about part two of the best way to have a mold-resistant home. Yes, uh, and you uh, you reminded me and told me, so at the end of the last episode, I said that uh, Black Mold and Home Inspections was in ebook format, which I'm not the tech guy, but it's in audible format, so it's been in ebook for a while. So uh, if you haven't uh, purchased that, we're working on getting... The Mold Epidemic, our first book in uh, on up on Audible. So I just wanted to correct that. But yeah, we're we're uh, talking about the second episode or second part of a mold resistant home, and uh, hopefully the information we're giving you guys will help. And hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving and bought lots of stuff on Black Friday. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know if people do Black Friday by going in the store anymore. Everything's online. I don't know. I still see a lot of people on Facebook posting about it. I think, honestly, think for some people, it's just kind of a like a tradition. You know, I don't know. I don't. I, I've. I don't. I've, I've never done the Black <laughs> no. Friday thing. No, I've so. done the Black Friday thing, and that's too many people for me. Yeah, I don't. It. Yeah, I just. I know you could get some good deals, but I think for some people, it's just the novelty of doing it. It's just, yeah. Yeah, but you hear other people fighting and punching each oh, other. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I just read the other day on Facebook that back in the 80s, and it was a picture, and it was a guy in Kmart, and it was over Cabbage Pell or Garbage Pell Kids. I can't remember Oh, remember, I, I, I wanted a Cabbage Patch Kid one yeah, Christmas. Whatever they, I know I said yep. it wrong, but cabbage yeah. Cabbage Patch Kids. It's just funny to they look fight. back that far and... 
Because back in the day, that's we didn't have Amazon, so you actually had to go down to the store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. No, there was lots of fights over Cabbage Patch Kids <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> no, so on the last episode, you you talked about the best way to build or have a mold resistant home: the exterior. Do you want to recap some of the things you talked about last time? Sure. So, you know, we just kind of touched on a few things that are important on the exterior and. The three main components that uh, I would obviously suggest is first and foremost, your roof. Go with, um, I would go with a metal roofing material, but if you can't afford that, get go with a 50-year architectural shingle. Make sure that, that you know, you, you check it all the time and none are missing. And obviously, your siding is another crucial component. There are many different types of siding you can use, so I'm not going to go through all of them. But once again, as long as you're not using cellulose materials such as like wood itself Uh, a lot of people do use wood siding but you treat it but make sure you keep that treated and then obviously the grading and drainage which we talk about all the time so those are the three main ones Um, if you didn't listen to last week's episode uh, go ahead and listen to it we covered a little deeper as far as as the exterior so in this episode, we're going to talk about how do you have a mold-resistant home from the standpoint of the interior of right. the house, right? So where does somebody start on the interior? With the interior, I, you know, depending on where you're at and the type of homes or style of homes that are being built, you know, around here we have, it's typically a full basement or a crawl space. So those of you that aren't familiar with a crawl space, it's just kind of what it sounds like. It's a, a space below the home that is about three to foot, four foot tall and you have to crawl around in there. So it's just kind of a confined space. So speaking of a, of a crawl space, if you do have a crawl space, couple things to make sure, um, first and foremost, make sure you have ventilation in those, uh, elevated humidity obviously leads to a mold problem and lack of ventilation will elevate the humidity. So make sure you have crawl space vents, um, in your crawl space, it's cheap. It's easy. You can do it yourself in a couple of hours for not even a hundred dollars. Put a vapor barrier in there, meaning it's visqueen. Um, put plastic down over that dirt so that you have a barrier between the soils and then obviously the air in the crawl space. Uh, there's other things depending on where you live, water table wise. I you know, unless you live like where we live, we're kind of up on a hill, so we don't really deal with water coming into the crawl space. But if if you live somewhere where the water does want to run into the crawl space or you have a high water table, make sure you have a sump pump um, in your crawl space and that uh, it's operational. So as far as that, that's that that would be one of the crucial things in a crawl space. Um, as far as a basement, similar things you still have a need for uh, some pumps in a basement. In a basement, make sure obviously that uh, all your cracks are sealed, you know, on the foundation walls themselves. But as far as those two, that that's what I'd cover as far as a crawl space or the uh, basement. Now, I know in the last episode, we were talking about the way old homes were made, you know, and versus the way new homes were made. What are some of the building component issues on the inside that can help a home be more mold resistant as as far as inside the home or in a crawl space inside the home. So as far as inside the home, you know, the second book I wrote, it talks about old homes and we, we cover a lot of just the building components that were used, uh, technology and everything. And so, you know, like one of the, one of the things that has really evolved for the most part 
is obviously, you know, things like floor coverings, wall coverings, um, you know, mold-resistant paint, mold-resistant sheetrock, mold-resistant all sorts of stuff. And so there's there's a lot of uh, different things there. But uh, while we're talking about that, I, one thing I like to tell everyone, so, you know, back in the day, when I say in the day, probably 10, 15 years ago, it was code in most states. In a bathroom, you had to use what we call green board, and it's mold-resistant. And a lot of the municipalities actually changed that code because everybody thought, well, I'm putting green board up in the bathroom so it's mold. it can't grow mold. And the reason, like I said, they changed that code is for the most part it was misleading to people. Because if you buy something, and that's, it's obviously marketing and advertising, but if you put mold-resistant on there, you can up the price a little bit and people are going to buy it. But on the other hand, you kind of lead them to believe they don't need to worry about it. So... You know, the green board um, example I like to use because most most places they did away with that code because it just was misleading and people thought, well, if my shower's leaking, I have green board in my bathroom, so it's okay. It's not going to be a mold issue. So be really careful when, when you see mold resistant. I mean, like a mold resistant paint. I honestly would look at that and just kind of laugh because paint is not a cellulose material, so... I wouldn't pay any more money for something like that, but uh, that is something that people just, you know, you kind of have a comfort zone and you think, well, on the label it says mold resistant, so it's okay if I get it wet because it won't cause mold issues. So, but, but there are certain things like your, you know, those new sinks that they have that c- can help to make your house more mold resistant just by the way the water now flows into that sink. Right. And so what you're talking about... Um, you know, back in the day, you used to just, you'd have the hole cut for your sink, whether it's in a kitchen or in a bathroom, and then you just set the sink on top of that hole. Now what we have, uh, or a lot of people are using, and I highly recommend it, is what we have call an undermount. So it's mounted underneath the sink. And now you have, um, I don't know the different materials, because I've been out of the actual general contracting business for a while now, but there are, there there's, uh, there's types of, of countertops that the sink is built into it. So there's actually no no joints or anything where the water can penetrate. And so going back to the sinks, obviously I would recommend an undermount sink. And the reason why is, is the water from the countertop goes right into that sink versus the old style, uh, your top amount, the water could just run right underneath. So, so there's things like that. Um, like I said, there's there's different types of flooring now people are coming out with, and there's a lot of it that, you know, there's cork flooring, which I wouldn't recommend ever using. Um, speaking of flooring, something in bathrooms, uh, we don't really talk about this too much, but never put carpet in bathrooms or kitchens. And back in the day, we used <laughs> they to used see, to. yeah, and it just, you know, any of you that, that have to clean around the toilets, especially if you have boys, could you only imagine what you're seeing on, you know, your vinyl or tile flooring? Think about if there was carpet there. So make sure in a bathroom that you're you're using. I highly recommend for flooring, especially in bathrooms and kitchens, is tile. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to go. As long as you have it sealed up properly, you shouldn't have, you know, it, the, the water can't get down below that into the floor joists. So, but yeah, make sure, uh, you know, like carpet. 
Make sure you're not putting that right in entries. That's why most entryways we put tile down because um, you got wet feet and whatnot. Uh, laundry rooms, make sure you're not doing that either. So, so keep that in mind too. There's, to me, it's common sense, but most people don't deal with mold every day. But make sure you have the type of flooring that's not absorbent and in the areas like a laundry room where there's water. Now, what about water pressure? As far as... As far as high pressures and what they okay. do as it that, relates to this. That's a good question because when I did home inspections, everybody thought the higher your water pressure was, the better off you are just because it's higher pressure. Well, that's not true. And actually, our industry standards state that the water pressure should be between 40 and 80 PSI. And if it's... What old, is a PSI? Uh... <laughs> Pounds per square inch. <laughs> I didn't really I think about that. Could be it's, it's been a while. Like, and, and, what is PSI? What the heck is that? <laughs> well, you kind of caught me off guard there. I, I, it's just been so long since I've even had to think about that. Um, but yes, it's the actual pressure. Now, does that mean how how much pressure you're getting when you're taking a shower? Is that what exactly? That, okay, right. okay, got it. Okay. It's the so you have when you're talking about water, you have a flow rate and you have a pressure rate. So the pressure, in order to have a certain PSI, you obviously have to have the flow. So those of you that have done sprinkler systems, you actually have to do a flow rate and a pressure because you can't have high water pressure if you don't have the flow, meaning you have to have that water there to, to get that pressure high. Yeah. And so a lot of people put booster pumps in if they don't have the water pressure, which we have one, um, and you'll hear it cavitate sometimes. And that's because of the flow rate, meaning there's not enough water coming okay. into it. So when that happens, you need, you need a cistern, but, uh, but yeah, so the, the flow rate matters too, but the pressure is, is yes, how hard that water is going to come out of that fixture. And so going back to the 80, everybody thinks, well, okay, so it's a hundred PSI. That's fine. It's, it's actually not because like your plumbing fixtures, you know, your sink faucets, um, stuff like that, toilets, they're the washers and those are only designed up to 80 PSI. And, it, it might be a little higher you could go, but for the most part, that's what they're designed to do. So if you're pushing too much water pressure through them all the time, those stem washers will go bad and then you have to replace them. So, oh, okay. And if it is too high, you can get a, um, a pressure reducing valve that you can put on your main line. Uh, most cities require that nowadays, but and they, they typically set that... Uh, it's called a regulator. They usually set that regulator at like 60. So yeah, as far as water pressure, that was a good question because most people don't really think about that. They just think if I have really, really high water pressure, it's good. And some people don't even think to have it tested. And we obviously have equipment to do that, but most people maybe wouldn't. So are there any other things on the inside that will help produce a mold resistant home like the, the washer machine that like any of the other things in the house so the other components in the house one of them that we haven't talked about that's probably the most important is your heat source and depending on where you're at you know what kind of climate it is we've talked about this before but a lot of people in our area don't even have air conditioners um, a lot of people actually around here still heat with uh, wood stoves just because our winters last like 12 months <laughs> exactly. sarcasm but um so but most people you know most people listening to this podcast you guys probably have a forced air hva system so you have all the duct work you have an air handler you have 
a condensing unit outside, so you have air conditioning and all that. And so when it comes to something like that, so if you have a forced air system, meaning you have air ducts, uh, one of the things you need to make sure is that you have those cleaned out every couple of years. Um, when you're building a home, it's, you know, really nothing you're going to think of. Most contractors, before they close on home, actually have the air ducts cleaned out. But when you're looking at what you should do, um, as far as what's mold resistant, there there's things that I'll just recommend that I wouldn't use. Um, you know, electric baseboard heat is not a bad way to heat. But if you get to radiant heat, meaning it's it's water um, run by a boiler, those are where I'm one of those fans where I, I'm not real big on that. Just because you have that water line that's running everywhere throughout the house. And if you have one little leak in the attic or somewhere, it can cause major issues. So um, like in-floor heat, as long as it's in concrete uh, running off of a boiler, that's a great way to go. Um, but for the most part, I just... I highly recommend not using, and, and most places don't do it anymore, but the boiler heat, the radiant heat, the, the baseboard heater. So when it comes to something like that for heating your home, make sure um, that you know, you know what you're using and whatever you're using, you know how to maintain it. Like electric baseboard heat, there's no maintenance on that. Yeah. You turn on a knob and, That's easy. and it works. So uh, some other things too. So like minor, you know, minor little things that most people don't think about where we're at, we, we don't have codes here. So for my listeners, when you hear us talking, you're like, well, our city inspects that. Well, we don't have that around here. So, um, but there are little things that the city does require. Like, let's say for your, your water heater, you have to have a pan below it. It's a drip pan and what it is is it obviously has a, a drain hole in it. Well, then that's piped to the exterior of the home. And the reason behind that is, is if your water heater started leaking, then the water could go outside. Um, also, it's not required in a lot of places, but I would do it, is your washing machine in your laundry room. Put it in a pan and have it piped to the exterior. So if anything leaks, it's all contained right there. So... You know, people are probably listening to this and they're thinking, okay, I, I love the idea of having a mold resistant home, but like you were talking about with the mold resistant paint, a lot of it for people comes back to price. How much is it going to cost? Exactly. So for example, if somebody said, okay, I know my bathroom, it, it needs to be remodeled if it's going to be mold resistant. How much would something, how much would it cost to make a bathroom, an average bathroom mold resistant? So when we say average bathroom, we're just talking... Let's just say a 36-inch vanity with one sink, a toilet, and then your normal tub. Yep. So we're talking a very, that's your normal size bathroom. If you were to remodel that, and I'm just throwing numbers out here. Um, if you were to remodel it and go with the cheapest everything you could, you know, for the most part, depending on how old it is, you probably don't need to replace the tub or shower enclosure. But speaking of that, when you're building a new home, I would put a one-piece fiberglass tub shower enclosure in. You do that, you should never have to mess with it. Now, if you go with just a tub and then you put tile on the walls, you're asking for more issues. But anyhow, so let's just say a normal bathroom, you're going as cheap as you can, pill and stick flooring, cheapest toilet you can come up with, cheapest vanity. You can probably do it for about $2,500 in materials. Now, if we wanted to upgrade that a little bit and do like an undermount sink or a countertop with the sink included in it, 
you know, a little bit more expensive uh, toilet, some more expensive flooring like ceramic tile, you're talking maybe an extra five, six hundred dollars. <laughs> so at the end of the day, we're talking about just a little bathroom, five or six hundred dollars. That's you would have to pretty much pay us to come out and just do air testing and a mold inspection for that small amount of money. So overall, I guess my point is, is when you're talking about just a little bathroom or just one kitchen, spend the, even if it's an extra $2,000, spend the extra money right then when you're doing it to save on costs down the road. There you go. Spend now to save later. Right. Awesome. Well, you heard it. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in for next week's. We air every Monday. A brand new episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast will drop. Thank you, guys. Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.